We're back in the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, just, just stand to your feet. Let's all stand, stretch our legs and everything. And uh, uh, turn with me to Daniel chapter number six. Daniel chapter number six. Uh, last time we finished up Daniel chapter number five with the, the killing of the Babylonian king, uh, Belshazzar, with a writing on the wall, if you'll remember that. Uh, at the end of the chapter, we find the changing of the guard, if you will, the changing of going from the head of gold into the body of silver. Uh, the Medes and the Persians have taken over. They went under the gates there in the, in the river, diverted the, uh, the water away from the Euphrates River and went in and conquered with hardly any fighting whatsoever and killed the king of Babylon. And now, now the Medes and the Persians are ruling and this is where we find ourselves in Daniel chapter number six. So if you have your Bibles open, Daniel chapter number six, let's begin in verse number one. <clears throat> it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these presidents of whom Daniel was first and, uh, or excuse me, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Man, how, how, how great would that be to know you're so committed and you have so much character uh, and, and, and so much integrity that the only way they could find something against you would be in your faithfulness to the God you serve. It says in verse six, then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree. That whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Basically, they're saying, uh, uh, King, we want you to be God for 30 days. We're just going to treat you as a God and nobody can pray to anybody but you. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And then they came near and spake before the king concerning the, the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within 30 days, save o, o, of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered, <coughs> excuse me, the king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. And then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God, whom thou, thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. 
And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth and they have not hurt me. Forasmuch as before me, innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, the lions had mastery over them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and is steadfast forever. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heaven. And in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for your mercy and your grace. I'm so thankful for the privilege to be here, uh, uh, Lord, and, and share your word in a time where we are finding uh, so many people fighting against the cause of Christ and fighting against righteousness and holiness. Lord, I pray in Jesus name that you will please give us the ability to, to go through this chapter and glean from your word and find things that will help us to be better today than we were yesterday. Lord, I pray the anointing upon this. I pray that you'll help me. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't and don't let me don't let me forget anything I should. Lord, I need your help right now. I need your anointing. I need your touch. I need your blessing. And Lord, we pray that you'll move in this place, move at Fairview. I pray that your perfect will be done. And God, let us feel your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> as we go through, as we go through this chapter, uh, we want to take kind of a, just like we've been doing, just like we've been doing, just kind of go right through it verse by verse, uh, doing a kind of running commentary through this. And, and see what God has for us today. Uh, first of all, if you're taking notes, everybody get your notes out and get ready. Uh, we're going to start in verse number one. It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom, 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. All right. So number one, I want you to write this down. First of all, we see Daniel's role, Daniel's role, write that down. We see when the new, the new regime took over, uh, the, the Medes and the Persians, when they took over the kingdom, they picked, they picked the 120 princes, uh, representatives who would be throughout the kingdom to, to rule under them and to kind of be the deputies there, I guess, if you want to use that word, but princes there that would be held accountable for each areas and each realm of the kingdom. And over these 120 princes, we find that Daniel is, is picked out of three, three different presidents that would rule over them. So possibly, uh, they had 40, 40, and 40. We find that uh, it's a great possibility that that was the case. But either way, we know he was one of the top three. And so three things I want to show you here in Daniel's rule. First of all, his function. He was a leader. He was a leader. He was an administrator. He was somebody who had skills and th that carried over even from uh, his job and his responsibilities that was in Babylon from the time he came. We see his function. Then B, write this down. We see his favor. We see his favor. The Bible says that he was preferred above the rest. 
There's something about walking with God. There's something about having a close relationship with the Lord that you're going to have not only the favor of God on your life, but the favor of men also. People will be able to see the presence of God and the touch of God in your life. He had favor. He was preferred. Everybody, listen, everybody that was in uh, uh, leadership, if you will, could see that there was something different about this man, Daniel. His function, A, his favor, and then write this down, his future. Look at his future. Look at it says in verse three, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So he had potential. He had potential. There was plans for Daniel. There was plans to elevate Daniel and prosper Daniel and bring him higher in his responsibility. Now, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. In other words, the word thoughts here means plans. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your destiny. We, we see the same thing with Peter when, uh, when, when God, uh, 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 gave Peter the keys, if you will, when, when you remember when, when Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? Peter said, we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven unto thee talking about Peter unto thee, I give the keys of the kingdom. And what did he do? He, he, he allowed Peter to be the one responsible to open the door of salvation to the Jews in Acts chapter number two, to the uh, 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 Samaritans in Acts chapter number eight, and the, the Gentiles in Acts chapter number 10. He was primarily responsible and, 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 and God used him in a great way. God had a great plan for his life. And man, I need everybody here to listen to me really good. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been saying, I don't care what your background is. I don't care what, what you feel like you've wasted on, 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 uh, with the devil in, 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 in a worldly way. God still has a plan for your life. God has got something that he wants you to do for him. God has got something that you can do and be involved in bringing him glory and bringing him honor. Everybody here, God has got a plan for you. Don't forget that because that brings us into the next point. Because of that, <coughs> excuse me, because of the potential that you have, because of the plan, the future that God has got for you, there's going to be problems. There's going to be obstacles. So number two, we see not only number one, Daniel's role, but we see Daniel's rivals, Daniel's rivals. Look in verse number four. <clears throat> All right. Now, Daniel's a leader. Daniel's been picked. He's one of the top three and every, everybody sees that there's something different about him, that he has a touch on him. There is a, there is just something different. He's got a spirit about him that's different than everybody else. The king, the king could see this more than anybody. And he had every intention on setting Daniel above everybody. But guess what? Everybody's not going to like that. Just because God's got a plan for your life, don't think everybody's going to be uh, uh, cheering you on because that's just not the case. Man has a tendency of being jealous. Look at what it says in verse four. <clears throat> then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. These, these, these princes didn't like Daniel having all this favor. They didn't like the, 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 the destiny that Daniel had in front of him in the future that was a possibility for him. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not, they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error fault found in him. These men, we, they said, <clears throat> they got together. And they said, we're not going to find any occasion against Daniel. He, he's just, he's, he's not crooked. He hasn't been taking any bribes. Uh, uh, there is no conspiracy with him. There is no, uh, uh, there's just nothing we can come against him with. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So Listen, four things I want you to write down underneath Daniel's rivals. First of all, their disdain. Verse number four. 
their disdain. They hated him. They hated him. It, 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 I, I think about this and I look back at, at Joseph in his coat of many colors. He had favor on him. He was the father's favorite. Joseph had a, a blessing on him. Joseph had uh, a future in front of him. And I promise you, there's going to be people that don't like it. And I want you to know, I don't want you to go into this blindly. I don't want you to go into saying, okay, God's got a plan for my life. Everything's going to be great and peaches and cream and everything's going to be rosy now. No, no, no. Everybody's not going to be thrilled with your blessings. Everybody's not going to be thrilled that God's got a plan for your life. Everybody's not going to jump on board and cheer you on and support you in this deal. I tell you this, when we first, when we first came to temple, when we first came to temple in October 99, and we were very small, just a handful of people. Nobody gave a rip about temple Baptist church. Nobody cared about temple Baptist church or complained about temple Baptist church. They never criticized temple Baptist church, but when God started blessing and when God started moving and temple began to grow and temple began to blossom and temple began to expand and, 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 and God uh, created a great move here in this place. Oh, no, no. I, I thought everybody would be happy about it. I thought everybody would be tickled about it. I thought everybody would want to come and say, hey, how are y'all doing that? Let us learn. Let us grow. Together. No, that's not the case. It's, there's criticism. There is attacks. Uh, there is all kind of things said about temple. Don't think, don't think just because you have a, a touch of God on your life that everybody's going to be forward. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be people that don't like it. We see their disdain. Then we see their disappointment. We see their disappointment. Verse number four, it says they couldn't find any fault in him. Man, they were so discouraged. They were disappointed. Now that's the way it needs to be. Don't give them any ammunition. Don't live your life a life of integrity. Live your life a life of character. Don't give them any reason to find fault in you. Don't give them any place, anywhere to stand. Live your life according to God's word. Live your life a life of character. Their disappointment. They say, well, we can't find it. We don't, we don't have any, any, anything we can hold against him. He's faithful. Uh, he's not crooked. So what are we going to do? We see verse C or, or, or verse five. We see their determination. Write that down. Their disdain, their disappointment and their determination. Look at verse five. <clears throat> then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They said, hey, I tell you what, he's so committed He's so committed. He's so faithful. Let's figure out a way to use that against him. Their determination, verse five. And then, then D, write this down. We see their deception, their deception. Write that down. It says in verse number, uh, verse number six, watch this, watch this. Then these presidents, the other two, the other two, Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius live forever. Watch this now. Watch what they say. What's that first word in verse seven? Everybody say it. All. Everybody say it again. All. All the presidents of the kingdom. Now we know that's a lie. Daniel wasn't involved in this. He was one of the presidents of the kingdom, but they totally lied. They totally lied to Darius. They totally uh, was, was deceiving him with a mistruth. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, save of the old king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So right off the bat, they're lying. They're deceiving Darius. Darius thinks it's a great idea. Uh, uh, he, he thinks this is wonderful. Hey, they're going to treat me as a God. They're, they're basically offering to Darius. Hey, we want you to be God for a month. We want you to be God for 30 days. We're going to make sure everybody, they don't pray to anybody. They don't petition anybody, but you. And so he's all about it. Man has a way of being flattered and flattery will cause many men to do stupid things. And so he agrees and he writes it down he signs it, puts his signet there, and he makes it a decree. Now, the law of the Medes and the Persians made it so that if any decree made 
made from a king, that was final, period. And it could not be changed. So Daniel hears about this. Verse number 10, Daniel hears. Verse number 10 says this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows were open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Watch this. As he did aforetime. As he did aforetime. This is important. I don't think I put this in your notes, but I want you to understand what you do before the crisis comes will greatly determine how you respond in the crisis. In other words, you, you, you don't need to have to try to find God when the crisis hits. You need to have a habit. You need to have a, a, a commitment to be with God and spend time with God before the crisis arrives so that you don't have to try to go find him. <clears throat> he didn't just start praying. He didn't just start coming to God. He didn't just see this crisis come upon him and say, oh, I need to go find you. No, 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 no. This was a regular habit. This was a regular thing for, for Daniel. And the Bible says that he went back home and prayed. Now, there's a few things I want to give you here. First of all, now we're in number three. Number one was Daniel's role. Number two was Daniel's rivals. Number three, we find Daniel's response. Daniel's response. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, first thing, Daniel, when he knew the writing was signed, he went into his house. He went into his house. So first of all, write this down. We see his place, his place. You need to have a place. You need to have a place. You need to have a place that you feel comfortable. (coughs) You need to have a place that is a regular habit of your time with God. Uh, Listen, it's, it's very important that you have a uh, uh, you know, Jesus said, go into your closet. Uh, it may be a certain room in your house. It may be a certain place. It may be in your vehicle. It may be in your office, wherever it is that you get alone with God, find you a place. Everybody needs a place. Everybody needs a place that they can run to. Everybody needs a place that they could go to and know that they're alone with God and spend time with God. We see his place. He went home. He went to that place that he normally went. He went to that place that was his habit to go. He went to that place that he continually had gone time after time after time after time to go and be with his God. We see his place. B, we see his position. We see his position. Look what it says. (coughs) Excuse me. I apologize for all the coughing. I'm still trying to get over all this junk. All right. So, Uh, verse number 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, watch this, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward, what's it say? Jerusalem. Say it again. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Now, what is that about? What's the, what's that about? If you will look at the bottom of your notes, if you will look at the bottom of your notes, second Chronicles chapter six, verse 36, it says that now this is what, what is happening here. This is the dedication of Solomon's temple. Okay. This is the dedication of Solomon's temple. They have completed it. It's ready to go. They are dedicating it. And, and Solomon is praying a prayer. He is asking God, God, if we mess up, if we mess up, if we sin and we are taken into captivity, if we will pray toward Jerusalem, if we will pray back toward uh, our homeland, back toward this place, this temple. Will you please hear our prayer? This is, this is, this is, this is what we're reading here. So second Chronicles chapter six, verse 36, Solomon says, if they talking about the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, if they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them and deliver them over before their enemies. And they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land, whether they are carried captive and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done amiss and have dwelt wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whether they have carried them captives and pray, watch this, pray toward their land which thou gavest unto their fathers and toward the city, Jerusalem, 
which thou hast chosen and toward the house, which I have built for thy name, the temple, that's the temple. Then hear thou from heaven and even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. Forgive thy people, which have sinned against thee. Now, my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open and let thine ears be attent under the prayer that is made in this place. Now, later on, we know God answers that prayer. So, hey, I'll tell you what, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and turn from their wicked ways. Listen, I will heal their, I will forgive their sin. I will hear their land. It's all there. So what is Daniel doing? He's just doing what, what Solomon said. He is in a foreign land because of the sin of the people. They've been taken captive. And now he has opened his windows toward home. He has opened his windows toward Jerusalem. He's opened his windows to God's city and toward God's temple and praying to a God that he knows is there. So we see his position. Then see, Daniel, if you're back there, if you're back in the back, could you get me some tissue if you don't mind, if you're, if you're still back there? Uh, uh, then we see C, not only his place, his position, but I want you to see his posture, his posture. Look what it says. It says, now Daniel knew and the writing was signed. He went into his house and his windows being open in the chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. I want you to put this. I want you to put his posture. We see his place, his position, then his posture. He come to God humbly. He kneeled before God. And you say, what do we take from that? I think we need to remember that. And I think we need to practice that. I think we need to remember who he is and who we are. What's the purpose of kneeling? It's submission. When you kneel before someone, you are submitting toward that person. When you kneel before God, you are submitting to his authority. You're submitting to his power. You're submitting to who he is. And Daniel recognized that God was supreme, that God was sovereign, that God was the boss. And I think sometimes if we're not getting our prayers answered, we need to remember who we are. And we need to come to God in a humble way and kneel before our master. We see Daniel's response, his place, his position, his posture. Then, then write this down. Look at his persistence. His persistence. Three times a day. Three times a day. Now, I'd, I'd have to guess that he's talking about morning, noon, and night. But three times a day, he stayed persistently praying. He was, he was persistent but he was consistent. He stayed faithful in his prayer. I think we need to learn a lot from that too. There's many places in the gospels where Jesus is telling us, Hey, pray, pray without ceasing, pray. Don't stop. He gives different illustrations of, uh, of, of people like the widow who prayed before the judge. And, and even though the judge was wicked and he was not a godly man, he gave in to the widow because she constantly, persistently prayed before him, asking for what she wanted, asking for what she wanted, asking for what she wanted. What can we learn from this? We need to be persistent in our prayer. Maybe you prayed one time and you didn't get the answer you were looking for. Pray again, pray again, pray again. Listen, keep on praying. Pray till something happens. Pray until something happens. That's push. P-U-S-A. Pray until something happens. Don't quit. Don't quit. Is there somebody that's lost that you've been praying for? Keep praying. Is there a need that you have and you haven't received it yet? Keep praying. Pray till something happens or God tells you different. Jesus prayed three times. Let this, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. Father, I know all things are possible with thee. And let, let, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. Listen, Daniel, or excuse me, Paul, Paul prayed about the thorn in his flesh. And he said, Lord, remove this, take this from me three different times until God told him the reason for the thorn. And then he accepted it and said, listen, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Listen, keep on asking, keep on pursuing, keep on praying. Pray to something happens. Pray to God changes your prayer. Pray to God answers your prayer. Pray to God says, hey, I'm not going to answer it that way, but this is what I'm going to do. Just be persistent. We see his place, his place. He went into his house, the place of familiarity, a place of his habit, his position. 
He had his windows open, praying toward Jerusalem, praying toward home, praying toward the place of his fathers and the place of his God. His posture, he kneeled upon his knees. He was humble. He was submitting to the God he served. His persistence, he kept on three times a day. And then look at his praise. Look at his praise. I love this. And he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He was still thankful. He, he, he was in danger of losing his life. He was in danger of being thrown in a den of lions, being eaten alive. But yet he was thanking God. He was praising God. We need to be thankful. I don't care what's going on in your life. Be thankful. I was, I was discipling a, a gentleman last night and he was talking about how throughout his life there was times that he felt like that. I don't want to say God abandoned him, but he wasn't, he wasn't really getting what he felt he deserved. And then as he looked back over his life, he could see how many times God would have been so good to him. And he had wasted so much time complaining, complaining about uh, 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 what he perceived as a, uh, a slight from God when the whole time God had been good to him. Listen, don't waste your time complaining. Don't waste your time whining. Don't waste your time belly aching and, and, and being in the mully grubs over your situation or your condition. Just praising, praising in the valley, praising in the difficult times, praising in the fire, praising in the den of life. Praise don't matter. Praise God. Give him the glory. Give him the honor. Give him praise and thanksgiving. Thank him for what he is. Thank him for who he is. Listen, God didn't have to save us to be worthy of praise. God didn't have to uh, deliver us to be worthy of praise. God's worthy of praise all by himself. Listen, just for who he is, he's worthy of our praise. We see Daniel's praise. He gave God the glory and he thanked him. Just, I love it, just like a four time, just like he did before. All right, number four, number four. Well, let's review, let's review. Number one, we have Daniel's role. Daniel's role. Then we see number two, we have Daniel's rivals. Number three, we have Daniel's response. Daniel's response. Then number four, we have Daniel's resistance. Daniel's resistance. Now keep in mind, (coughs) don't forget, whenever you decide to serve the Lord, whenever you decide to put God first in your life, Whenever you decide to, to sell out and commit and be all in for God, there's going to be people that's not going to like it. There's going to be people that fight you. There's going to be people that come against you. Now, I, listen, I think everybody should like serving God. I think everybody should like that other people are serving God and jump on the bandwagon and let's roll. But that's just not reality. There's going to be friction. There's going to, Jesus said, if people hated me, they hated you. They're going to hate you. All right. So let's look at two things. We see his resistance. Look at verse number 11. Verse 11 says, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within the 30 days, save of thee, uh, thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh this petition three times a day. So first of all, write this down. We see you're going to have godless adversaries. Write that down. Godless adversaries. You're going to have people in this world that don't like you. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say you're not going to fit in everywhere. Listen up. You're not going to fit in everywhere. And that's okay. It needs to be that way. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. 
You need to be different. If everybody loves you out in the world, then something's wrong. You're too much like them. Don't be envious of the world. Don't be jealous of the world. Don't try to be like the world. Don't, don't, don't fall into their culture. Don't fall into their way of thinking. Paul said, uh, uh, my brethren, he said, I, I beseech you therefore before God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says this, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Man, don't conform to the world. Don't conform to their way of thinking. Just because there's a little friction, just because there, there is animosity between God's people and the world's people, the church and the world and the culture they're in. Listen, stand out, stand up, be different. Step out of the, the routine. Step out of the culture that's out there. They're going to not like you. They're going to hate you. If you're standing for what's right, you're going against the flow. If you were, if everything's great in your life and everything has a flow in your life and everybody's just fine with the way you're living your life, then something may not be right. Because when you stand up for God, you're going to be different. You're going to act different. You're going to talk different. You're going to live different. You're going to care about things that they don't care about. You're going to be bothered by things that they're not bothered about. Listen, don't, don't be upset if there's enemies. You, you got to have some enemies. Anybody that stands up for something is going to have some enemies. You're going to have people that don't like you. When we, start, when we started really, God started really blessing temple. Uh, we had to make some decisions that, that, and follow the Lord the way the Lord led us to, to, to go. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I got to be honest. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm preaching to me right now because there, there were times it bothered me big time. It bothered me big time when people would lie. It bothered me big time when people would, would talk about temple and talk about uh, the leadership here and the things that we were doing, the decisions we were making. And, 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 and I'm telling you, it, it, just, it just ate me from the inside out. And there were many times I had to go to God and God had to straighten me out. And, 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 and I had to realize, hey, I'm not here to serve man. I'm not here to make people happy. I'm here to follow God and do what God says. And, and if you do that, there's going to be people that don't like it. There's going to be people that will criticize. There's going to be people that will come. At, that's fine. That's fine. Let them do what they're going to do. You keep doing what God called you to do. Listen, there's going to be people out there just like these princes, just like, just like these other presidents. They're going to be jealous. They're going to be envious. They're, going, they're not going to like what you do. You keep opening that window. You keep praying. You keep going to God. You keep serving God. You keep doing what you know to do is right. But know that there's going to be obstacles. Don't go into this thing blind. Don't, don't, go, don't go into the Christian life. Don't go into the ministry. Don't go into serving God like, man, everybody's going to think I'm the greatest thing in the world. No, that's just not the case. That's just not the case. There's going to be godless adversaries, godless adversaries. Then B, he had an issue with governmental authorities. <coughs> he had an issue with governmental authorities. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. The government in this particular situation, even though, even though Darius was deceived and he was tricked in the matter, and I, I truly believe, I truly believe that, that Darius, he, he, he liked Daniel. He liked it and it bothered him. Well, the scriptures clearly say it bothered him. He did everything he could to try to change the government mandate. Did everything he could, but it just wasn't going to be. Now, but that doesn't change the fact that there's going to be times that the government is going to go against God's people. This was a government law that was decreed and signed and put into action. Preacher, what are you saying? We're, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. There's no doubt in my mind. There's coming a day when the government will be against the church. It's already, it's already doing things that's, that's, that's contrary to uh, taking the freedoms and, and the things away from the church, trying to create issues with what the church is preaching and teaching. And, but there's going to come a day when it's going to be outlawed completely. There's going to come a day when the government is going to come against God's people. We've got to stand fast. We've got to stand fast. Hey, it happened. It happened in the early church. 
It happened in the early church. The government authorities with being in the temple and the high priests and all of them, they commanded and threatened the disciples. Don't preach anymore. Don't preach in the name of Christ. Keep your mouth shut. Now look what it says. Look at Peter's response in Acts chapter number five, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now we need to repeat that. Let's say it all together. Everybody, fair view, everybody. Let's all say it. We ought to obey God rather than man. Say it again. We ought to obey God rather than men. Period. Period. We do We do submit to the authorities. The Bible clearly teaches that. The Bible has ordained government, but sometimes the government will go out of bounds. Sometimes the government will go against God's word. And we are to follow government until, until it forces us to disobey God's word. When it comes to obeying man or God, you pick God every time. Whether it's the culture, whether it's the lifestyle, whether it's whatever it is, when it comes to this world, you always go with the book. You always stick to what God's word says. We ought to obey God rather than men. But we find Daniel has problems with his faithfulness. They are coming against him. They are coming against him. He's being attacked. And sadly, the king had to follow through. The king had to follow through with the decree. Verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased within himself, set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Man, he spent all day trying to figure out some kind of loophole. Some kind of way. He probably got all the lawyers together. He probably got all the lawgivers and the lawmakers and everybody. Let's figure out a way. Let's try to make. He did everything he could, but it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, No, O king. Hey, don't forget, king. Listen. No, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king commanded, now, 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 now think about this. <clears throat> God could have very well given them a loophole. God could have, he, he, he had the ability to find and give them wisdom and give them some kind of knowledge to find a loophole in this situation. But God had a plan. God was using this situation. God was using this to, to accomplish something that we're going to learn about here in just a minute. Now, now keep this in mind. Nothing in here. I know we see it in every point. Daniel's this, Daniel's that, Daniel's this, Daniel's that. But this whole story is not about Daniel. It's about God. And, and you'll see that here in just a minute. Sometimes, sometimes God will keep you out of a tragedy Sometimes God will be with you in the tragedy like he was with the, the, the fiery furnace. But then there's going to be times God's going to deliver you on home. There's going to be times that, 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 you know, we pray and we pray for someone to be healed of cancer, but it doesn't happen. Sometimes we pray for someone to be healed of cancer and it does happen. But what's the point? Why, why does God do one thing here and one thing here? Here's where we're going to learn. Number four, or excuse me, number five. We see Daniel's rescue. We see Daniel's rescue. Look in verse number 18. Then the king, well, let me back up. Let me back up. The king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God, whom thou hast, thou service continually, he will deliver thee. How, How would you like, how would you like to live your life in such a committed way and faithful way that even lost people Seize the God that you serve. That's, that's great. A stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his Lord's and that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now watch what happens. We see number five, Daniel's rescue. 
Daniel's rescue. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him. Then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. So first of all, write this down under Daniel's rescue, write this. We see a restless leader, a restless leader. God took his sleep from him. Boy, it bothered him. It bothered him. He couldn't sleep all night long. He wouldn't allow any food. He didn't allow any comfort. Man, he was bothered. He was concerned about Daniel. We see a restless leader. But then look at this. Then the king arose, verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice. Oh, he was bothered. It was broken. Probably had cracking in his voice. He cried out, oh, Daniel, Daniel, the servant of the living God is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions. Was he able? Did he bring you through? Daniel, are you okay? Then watch what it says. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. So we see not only the restless leader, but we see the restrained lions. The restrained lions. Preacher, what are you saying? God came through. God sent his angel shut every, every mouth in that den. Daniel, now I, I used to just say that, you know, Daniel curled up, Daniel curled up and used one of those lines as a big old pillow. But I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't want to be that, uh, that free with the text. Uh, Daniel may have sat in the corner very still. And, and because I do know this, even times that where we have to be brave for God, there's still an element of fear with our faith. And so I, I don't know. I don't know what it was like in that den. I don't know what it was like all night long, but I do know this. Daniel was safe. I know that the angel of the Lord made sure none of those lions, not one single mouth open. No, not one came against him and God delivered his servant. God delivered his servant. So we see the restrained lines, but then watch this. This is the deal. This is what I want you to get. Look at the next verse, verse 23. Then, then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Verse 24, and the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, the lions had mastery over them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Now, here's what I want you to see. A reversed lot, a reversed lot. The lot changed. Listen, the destiny changed, the, 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 the outcome changed for this whole situation. Those that had came against Daniel, those that had conspired against Daniel, those that had tried to deceive the king and to have Daniel, God, <coughs> excuse me, God completely reversed it. God completely turned it around. Preacher, what are you saying? God's got the ability to turn it around. God's got the ability to reverse situations and, and the people who come again, I've seen this time and time again. I've seen this time and time again, even in my own ministry, even in my own life where people have come against me and God just turned things around. I promise you, I promise you, you don't want to mess with God's man. You don't want to mess with God's people. God can turn it around. He turned it around. Listen with Esther, uh, uh, Esther, in, in that situation, uh, we, 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 we find so many places. We find that the, the, the men who threw the, the ch- uh, children of Israel into the, the fiery furnace, they got burned up themselves. God can turn it around. Listen, don't fret. Don't fret when people come against you. Don't fret when people uh, accuse you. Don't fret. I, I'm telling you, there's been times I want to defend myself so many times when, when people would lie and people would tell, uh, false things about temple or about, uh, about me as an individual about that. Don't, don't defend yourself. Let God do it. 
Let God do it. God can defend you a whole lot better than you can. You stay with integrity. You stay and do the right thing. You stay with God and you stay doing what you need to do. And God can handle the rest. God can handle the deceivers. God can handle the critics. God can handle the people that come against you. I know that's hard. I know that's hard. I'm a fighter. I, I, I don't like that. I don't like I don't like keeping my mouth shut. I don't like, I like defending myself. I like coming and saying, hey, but you cannot do that. Let God do it. Let the critics critique on. Let, let the complainers complain. Listen, you just do right. You just follow God and let God handle them. And I promise you this, I promise you this, God's hand is bigger than yours and God can slap them a whole lot harder than you can. You just do right. There's a reverse lot. Everyone that came against Daniel was now eaten by the lions. And, you know, that comes against the critics, too. You know, I've heard critics say, I've heard critics say, well, the lions just wasn't hungry. The lions just wasn't hungry. No, that wasn't the case. God supernaturally closed the mouths of the lions. And when they brought Daniel out of there and threw those other men and their family, and that was a, a, a Medes and Persians thing, that, that, that the, the families would be held accountable just like the, the deceivers. And so they threw the whole, and, and they tore him to shreds. They tore him to shreds. We see Daniel's rescue, but then here's where I want to get. All of that is to get to this point. All of that is to get to this point. I want you to see Daniel's reward. Daniel's reward. And it's not going to be what you think, the most important part of it anyway. Look what happens. Daniel's delivered. Daniel is kept safe. His, 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 his rivals are destroyed. God completely turned it around, but watch what happens. Verse number 25. Look at verse 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, Every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Now keep in mind, all of these realms, all of these provinces, all of these dominions, if you will, they served all kinds of gods. But he's saying, nope, nope, the God of Daniel, the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, steadfast forever. His kingdom, which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Watch this. What are, what are we seeing? What are we seeing? Now, if it was in modern day, if it was modern day in, 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 in church people today, they'd be taking pictures and, and sending selfies of Daniel. Oh, look at Daniel's faith. Look at Daniel's commitment. Look at Daniel's. He was fearless. Oh, look at the courage of Daniel, how he, how he defeated the lions. Oh, look at that. But that ain't what happened. He was giving glory to God. He was giving glory to God because of Daniel's faith. Because of Daniel's courage, because of Daniel's commitment, Daniel didn't get the credit. God did. They glorified God. He saw God in the situation. He saw God delivered Daniel. Daniel didn't get any credit. Daniel, Daniel wasn't being lifted up. Daniel wasn't being bragged on. And he say, preacher, what are you getting at? Listen, there's so many people that wants people to see what they do. And they want the credit. They want, look what I'm doing. Look what I've given or look what I've done. Or, hey, look what our church has done over it. No, no, no. We got to stop that. We got to stop that. If you're getting the credit, you've messed it up. If people are bragging on you, if people are bragging on your ability to sing or if people are bragging on your preaching style or your preaching ability or, or, or what your church is, then we've missed it. It's about the glory of God. It's about God getting glory. God didn't deliver Daniel. God didn't deliver Daniel because he liked Daniel so much and he didn't want Daniel to die. God delivered Daniel to give an opportunity for a wicked king to see a holy God. 
so that glory could be brought to God. So glory could be given to God and praise unto God. That's what it's all about. That's what it's always been about. It's been about God's glory. It's not been about the glory of Temple Baptist Church. It's not been the glory of Malcolm Carter. It's not the glory of the choir, the glory of a, 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 a worship leader. It's the glory of God. We do what we do for the glory of God. We give what we give for the glory of God. We serve like we serve for the glory of God. We're committed and faithful like we need to be for the glory of God. Look, look what it says. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Glorify your father, which is in heaven. What, what is the purpose of good works? Not the, so they could brag on the worker. It's to no, let them see what you do. Let them see your good works so they can brag on God. See, if they're bragging on you, when you're done with your work, you missed it. But if they're saying, wow, what a God. Wow, what a God that you serve. Look what, see, this, this, this community, this community, this world, this community doesn't need to see what temple does for God. This, this community needs to see what God does for temple so that he can get the glory. First Peter 2, 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold or, or, or see, glorify God in the day of visitation. Say, wow, what a God. First Peter 411. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That God may be glorified. God may be uplifted. God may be praised. To whom be praised dominion forever and ever. Amen. I said something earlier. I said something earlier. Why does, why does God, when we pray for someone to be healed, maybe it's cancer, maybe it's heart disease, whatever it may be. And why does he heal this one? And then when we pray for this one over here, it doesn't work like it did over here. And this person is taken on to heaven. Why does God do this here and do that there? One simple reason for his glory. For his glory. God will do whatever brings him the most glory. I, 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 well, I don't have the time. I wish I had a time to tell you a story right now, but I'm just telling you this right now. Sometimes God will be, keep you out of the fire or out of the den of lions. Sometimes God will be with you in the den of lions, but then God will use the den of lions in a way to bring him glory. He doesn't always rescue. He doesn't always deliver. And that's not the point of the story. It's really not. Sometimes we, we preach this in a way that, you know, just because God delivered Daniel, he's going to deliver everybody. No matter who you are. Hey, listen, God will rescue you. All you got to do is pray. All you got to do is be faithful. All you got to be is committed. But that's not true. That's not true. This has nothing to do with Daniel. This has everything to do with God. Your situation that you're in right now doesn't have anything to do with you. It has everything to do with God. You were created, you were put on this earth to bring God glory. And whatever way in your life will bring God the most glory, that's the way God is going to operate in your life. So praise him. Praise him. Thank him. Say, God, whatever, whatever I'm going through, get glory out of it. Use me. Use me to bring you glory. Use me in whatever way you see. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm pretty sure Daniel didn't want to go in that den of lions. I'm pretty sure and pretty confident I can say that he did not want to go into that den of lions. But that was God's direction for him. I'm pretty sure in that prayer, probably in those three times a day, he was praying, God, deliver me. God, don't let me, don't let them put me in that den of lions, but God led him through that. 
Why? Because in the end, it brought him great glory. And that's our purpose. That's why we're here. God is not here for us. We're here for him. And over the years, we've gotten that totally backwards. We've gotten that totally messed up. We think that we're here and God's here for us to do our bidding. No, no, we're here to do his bidding. We're here to bring him glory and honor. But let me, let me give you this. I, I just seen it go to red on me. If we do that, if we stay committed, if we stay faithful, we're going to prosper. We see two things underneath the last one. We see under Daniel's reward, we see the praise of the king. In other words, God got glory from a, from a foreign king. But then the prosperity of the servant. Look at the last verse. So then this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Preacher, what are you saying? Do right. Just do right. Do and live your life so that all you care about is to bring glory and honor to God. And if you do, if you do, you will prosper. 